Welcome to the first ever Hoops Fix podcast. I'm your host, Sam Nita, founder of HoopsFix.com and full-time British basketball advocate. So here we are. Um, you know, the podcast is something that I've been thinking about doing for a little while. I put out a few messages on Twitter and Facebook over the last couple of weeks, and the response has been overwhelmingly positive. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to just jump straight in, uh, see how it goes, see what the feedback's like, and, and by all means, if it goes well, we'll, we'll keep doing it. And hopefully, um, there'll be a lot of interesting conversations uh, to be had over the over the coming weeks and months. Um, you know, over the last month, obviously a lot has been going on in, in the UK basketball world, uh, starting, you know, with the funding cut, that's kind of what everyone's been talking about, and then the subsequent uh, funding reversal decision, um, and now basketball has got its money back, that amount still is undecided. Um, but, you know, the message from UK Sport and Sport England has been clear that there needs to be widespread change, reform, um, a restructuring of the governance, uh, and, and even personnel changes. Um, so it made sense with this first episode that we look at that a little bit. Um, I got the chance this week to sit down with the new independent chair of England basketball, Jan Hagen. He's only been in the position a couple of months now. Um, he's only been to two meetings so far, two board meetings so far. Um, but he has been getting a lot of good feedback from a lot of people. Um, Hugh Robertson, the Minister of Sport, uh, it speaks highly of him. Um, so I thought it'd be great to go and speak to him and find out what his views are and his plans are um, for the coming year. So we met in a pub which was quiet to start with. It did get a little bit loud and noisy um, at times. Uh, hopefully that's not too much of a problem that you can hear. But yeah, I mean, have a listen. Uh, the interview is about 45 minutes long. We go into everything. It does take a little while to get going, but there's a lot of really interesting stuff that he says, um, especially towards the end. Make sure you come back. Let me know what you think. Um, you know, my email Sam at hoopsfix.com. I'm contactable on that at any time. If not, um, this podcast you likely would have found it on the site. Uh, hit us up in the comments there. Um, if you've got any questions, any suggestions for future shows, any feedback on this show, um, by all means, let me know. And uh, hopefully, this is a start of something beautiful. Can we just start like uh, by introducing yourself and your background so people can kind of get an idea of, of where you're coming from? Yep. Basically where I'm coming from in relation to sport and, uh, is, is I'm a dad, right? I've got four kids, uh, 11 to 17, uh, four boys, 11, 13, 15 and 17, who are all sports nuts. Uh, my eldest loves to play basketball, my number two plays football, my number three plays rugby and my number four plays basketball. Um, they do all the sports as well, but they are their prime sports, primary sports. I coach, therefore, football, basketball and rugby. Uh, personally, basketball is my game as such. Um, played basketball for the best part of two decades in the Netherlands before I came to England an uh, awful long time ago. Um, coached in the Netherlands, I coached uh, many teams, so under 10s, under 11s, under 12s teams, um, and I coached uh, junior teams, and I was an assistant coach at a ladies team that played national level. So I've done the coaching there, uh, but I've done the playing, I was a referee, I did the table official. And then I was basically four nights a week in the hall, um, either coaching, refereeing, playing, or in the bar. Uh, important deficiency in English basketball, a lot of the places where you play basketball here, they haven't got a bar attached to it, <laughs> which is how you build community clubs, right? Right. <laughs> uh, it's, so that's something we need to address, get more bars. Um, I won't put that in as an objective for funding <laughs> because that probably won't go through. 
but it's I want to go into sport is simply what I like I'm I've always taken the, the philosophy of coaching is I do grassroots coaching which is inclusive coaching any kid that turns up should play every kid that turns up should want to come back next week that doesn't mean that actually means that you probably give up on winning trophies because the teams I coach never win trophies but I'm usually the one team with a waiting list and I'm usually the one team that sort of is completely full beginning of the season and we have an absolute blast and it's and we, and we have our occasional win that's <laughs> national celebration time for us but it's but that's kids always want to win right you don't yeah. I think there's a misnomer as well that there's a well, but our kids are, are competitive so they want to win so well, mine do the kids that I coach want to win um, so my, 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 one of my kids uh, one of my sons I used to coach him at football he felt he was too good for the team that I coached which he was so we actually went to the team that played a couple of leagues higher which is great I could give up coaching that team and I could concentrate on coaching a basketball team a rugby team and another football team with my younger son <laughs> um, so it's I've always had been passionately involved with youth coaching. When I started getting more involved with the basketball boys that I coach now, my eldest wanted to play basketball. There wasn't a club. I set up a club. So once a week we turn, they turn up and I coach them and I try to get friendly games organized for them because the age range is about 16 to 22. So I can't put them in a league. Um, and I just coach them, give them some place to go on a Tuesday night, shoot some hoops. I organized some friendly games and I contacted England Basketball sort of a year ago, two years ago, asking how can you help me and I kind of didn't feel that they actually sort of really wanted to help me other than me affiliating with them. Um, they've got targets, which is fair enough, but I actually felt that if they really want to grow the sport, they should be a little bit more ambitious about, they should sell to me, right? They should have, they should have wanted me to come on board with a compelling offering that I would say, whoa, yes, I want to affiliate with any basketball. The benefits for you, right? And I didn't really see any. So I became one of the cynics. I became sort of, and I had the same, put it in perspective, I had the same frustrations with the FA and the RFU. So this is not basketball unique. This is just dealing with governing bodies tends to be a rather frustrating experience. Yeah. Um, so I became one of the cynics that actually sort of did I dissed anything that came sort of via my inbox from either the FA, the RFU, or in the basketball, or yeah, whatever. Um, up until it's, uh, recently, when I saw an advert come out saying we're looking for people on the board to help shape the future of basketball in the country, and I thought, okay, what can I do? I can either sort of keep whinging about it, um, or just try and make a difference. It's, and to be honest, I would never do this in a context of football or rugby. Um, I love I love rugby. Um, bearing in mind my number two son, I also really love football. Honestly, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's they're not sports that, that I get genuinely excited about. I mean, when I'm coaching a basketball game, that's when the adrenaline starts pumping, and that's where I love I love being in a hall with balls bouncing all around me and that sort of atmosphere. You can't can't get it anywhere else. And I thought the opportunity to actually shape the future of a sport that you love and you know this country is just so ridiculously full of potential for this game. I thought, I just, okay, well, let's have a go. And I applied. Um, 
was invited for a meeting in Sheffield with the board. And I thought, I said to my wife, said, well, there's no way they're going to employ me. <laughs> So you had no expectation that no, you were going to no, get no, it? No, 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 there's no way. I said, there's no way, because I'll just be rude to everybody. I'll just basically <laughs> tell them they're all talking nonsense, and it's never going to go anywhere. But at least I'm going to get my hour in front of the board, right? <laughs> so I said, I'm going to go to Sheffield. I'm going to get my hour in front of the board, and I'm going to, I'll rip into them and tell them everything that's wrong in the world. Yeah. And um, so I, I was listening, and I thought, they've got some problems there's some things that need ironing out here you, there were some undercurrents some dynamics and you felt oh there's some work to be done here so I actually called them the next morning saying I'm pulling out now because the job is far bigger than I thought it would. <laughs> and they convinced me that that was really the reason just to take it so, um, so you tried to withdraw I tried yes yeah, I did but instead the opposite happened and you ended up getting roped in mm. because that's the, they, they told you on the fact that this to is be honest that was Keith right. Keith Mayer um, who um, has got his own legion of critics in the sport. Um, yes, he has. <laughs> but um, it, it, I said to Keith, listen, you've got some problems, they need sorting out, and said, this is a far bigger job. Said, it, it, because I still have a business to run as well. This is not a full-time job, this. And uh, we had a long chat on the phone, and um, he basically said, we need some people that actually have got the guts to say the things that need saying and to help sort it out and who are not afraid to break a few eggs on the way, and blah, blah, blah. And in all fairness, I mean, Keith basically sort of persuaded me not to walk away from it, and actually say, and say well, let's have a go. So it's, um, it's, it's, been, inter- it's been fascinating. It, it's a sport that's all over the place uh, when you come into it. It's, you see a lot of these, these posts as well on the, on the various sort of forums, people saying, well, that, uh, England basketball is rubbish because they pissed away eight and a half million pounds worth of funding. England basketball never had that money. Yeah, there's a lot of confusion between um, England basketball and British basketball. There's, and even the money England basketball gets from Sport England, the England basketball gets funding from Sport England, which they, but there are very strict guidelines on how it how it can spend that money. Then there's the elite pot that came from UK Sport, and again, there are very very strict guidelines where it can be spent. Was it all spent wisely? Well, if you look at the medals table, it probably wasn't. Um, didn't, I mean, I would say, was the cut to go from eight and a half million pounds to zero, was that justified? I wouldn't have thought so, no. Um, not bearing in mind that England basketball, or British basketball, was told beforehand that it is the development sport and they would definitely get funding up to 2016. And subsequently withdrawing that, it is debatable whether that's the right decision or not. It's obviously a bit of backtracking going on at the moment. Um, but to make it performance related, say, okay, let's see where you are after the Eurobaskets. Fair enough. Because then you'll know whether you have a realistic chance of getting to Rio. There's no point put pouring money into it if there's no chance. Yeah. But again, England basketball didn't blow 8.5 million. Uh, England basketball never had any say over that 8.5 million. Should England basketball have a say over that 8.5 million? Of course it should. Because the basketball performance board is fully owned by the BBF the, the British Basketball Federation that's its sole shareholder the, the British Basketball Federation is populated by six directors two of every home nation <laughs> so arguably the three home nations control the performance board the performance management company but obviously they didn't that didn't happen no, no. that didn't happen um, 
because historically there's all sorts of little infrastructures that have grown around people and maintaining a status quo has always been easier yeah. than actually trying to sort of bring the, the, the sport together. Bringing the sport together has always been dominated by personalities that always wanted other people to compromise. And you can't really blame them for that, but what, the only thing you can blame the sport for is lacking that, putting this overarching structure in place that has got an accountable board that is responsible for the sport rather than responsible for little slithers in the sport. Mm. And that's never, that would never work. In the long term, it doesn't work. Um, well, evidently, it, it, it isn't working. So, yeah. Um, so, so let me ask you, as, cool. as I can talk forever. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> Makes my life a lot easier. But let me ask you though, is that, as the independent chair, mm-hmm. like, what are your roles and responsibilities? What powers do you have to change anything to make a difference? It's interestingly, that's that's quite an interesting question because I have no idea um, <laughs> because arguably what we're doing at the moment as an independent chair I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing right Which, uh, what are you because doing because I'm already involved in, in extensive engagement with various stakeholders like uh, I'm talking to the BBL I'm talking to, um, talking to the BBA I'll talk to anybody who's got a story to tell and see if it's, if it's a developed one we'll engage with it if it isn't we won't um, but I'm doing a lot of the tasks that should really sit within a management team, much more an executive management team. My task really is to be chairing a board that actually sort of simply double checks the governance and strategy for the sport. So you're almost like meant to be a facilitator yes. that takes in a step back and overseeing yes. things. But right now... We're, we're, but instead you've been thrown into the deep end and they're kind of getting well, mixing think, it up a little bit. I think at this moment in time there's no point getting into the nitty-gritty of England basketball until England basketball understands its role within the sport and for England basketball to have a firm remit and role within the sport you need to have a strategy for the whole sport and because there's no there's never been a level above England basketball there's been a dysfunctional BBF thing that they actually sort of just I'm a director of that as well by the way um, which is great yeah, I'm a director of all sorts of things now. Um, but it has never, that has never really tried to sort of impose any sort of governance or any sort of strategy um, since it actually sort of had the BPB assigned to it. Right now, what I've taken on as a task is before I start being a chairman, because I'm actually not doing what I should be doing as a chairman, but is push a group of stakeholders to help me draft a strategy for the whole sport so that there's a much clearer relationship between the governing body and the Premier League. It's all very muddled at the moment in who does what and who's responsible for what. Uh, disciplinary matters should, in my view, sit with a governing body. There shouldn't be some disciplinary matters with the governing body, some disciplinary matters with the BBL itself. Um, the BBL has some rights to appoint referees for certain games. Well, they've got a vested interest in having the right referees for games. And everybody agrees that it's not really working. Yeah. Nobody actually has ever done anything to tackle it. <laughs> so it's... Which is fine. I mean, it's all busy people. You know? There's only a very small number of people in the sport that actually earns its money full-time in a game. And they tend to be too far down the echelons to actually do something about the sport. 
at the very top end of the sport, there are enough full-time people who work for the sport, not for themselves, but for the sport. So we need the strategy first. We have the whole, if we have the whole strategy sorted, which we're doing at the moment, and we, we actually um, we presented a new strategy, a structure, governance structure for the whole sport earlier this week at the board meeting in Sheffield. Oh wow! Um, that was presented to who? Just the rest. That was presented. The first, the first thing we needed to have, buy, we need to get buy-in from England Basketball um, because that's what I'm part of. Right? So that's the first board needs to buy into it. And as soon as we buy into this as a board, we need to start talking to the BBL, we need to talk to Basketball Scotland, we need to talk to the guys in Wales, because they all need to sort of support that. Um, or opt out. Well, the BBL can't opt out, because they're just a league. So they have to sort of... One of the things that needs sorted out is the dynamic between the governing body and the league. That's not quite working. What we need to work out is... The, the problem you get is that as... The high performance unit should really fall within the remit of the governing body. Uh, but the problem you have now is that the governing body that controls the high performance unit consists of three home nations governing bodies who so far haven't really made enough progress to actually give that BBF thing um, teeth and give it some real credibility. So my view is... The BBF is so the BBF at the moment is almost like a non-entity. It's not really... It's no. not... Yeah, it's not... It, it's... It's not relevant. To a large degree, it, it may... It, it could, may not even need to exist. Um, yeah. But it does. And it has got FIBA membership post-2016. So as a dormant non-entity body, it's a bit strange to have FIBA membership already. But that's obviously a step that needed to be in place. Yeah. So, But what we need to do now is fill it out and give it some proper infrastructure and give it some proper governance responsibilities over the elite unit so there may not be a need to have a BPB and a BBF and an EB board and a Scottish board and a Wales board because we have a BPB board, a BBF board, a EB board, a Scotland board and a Wales board. Does the sport really need five boards of people who are all volunteers, who are all far too busy to make decisions and do something about it? And and you add them all together, you're talking about sort of a bunch of like some some 20 people. So it's almost like streamlining the whole thing, making it more efficient. That's, to me, is the, and if that new structure hasn't got the space for me, fine. For me, it's, let's get the structure in place that works for the sport. If I'm the one that actually simply gets the ball rolling and it ends up with a, with a structure that works and I don't fit in it, cool by me. My wife would be delighted. <laughs> um, she thinks it's a stupid idea anyway. So she said, what spare time are you talking about? Um, because that's, that's, that I don't have spare time. It's, it's basically sort of, my spare time is when I'm asleep. Yeah. Uh, it tends to be between sort of 12, 31 o'clock in the evening and 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, because there isn't anything else but I should be a chairman that governs the strategy of England basketball so to me our initial step was to give England basketball a strategy that was bigger than just doing stuff that gets us funding every four years that's to me feels more like a funding application than a strategy for the sport but the very moment we started addressing that particular element of moving from funding application to strategy, it became quite clear that it's very difficult to do 
unless you have got the other stakeholders in the sport buying into this strategy. And how likely do you think it is that the other stakeholders will buy into the strategy? I mean, what's the response been like so far? So far, they've been very positive. Yeah. Uh, we, we could do with a little bit more. Uh, we need to talk more to, to the other two nations, to, to Scotland and Wales. But within the UK, uh, the stakeholders, including the people that are funding it, right? The UK Sport, Sport England, they've been very supportive about the ideas. BBL have been very open and quite supportive about it. But the, everybody is always supportive in the state, bloody obvious, right? And it's it's when you come to the nitty gritty and when, when you come to the moment when compromise means giving something up, that's when it becomes difficult. So far, I mean, you're talking about aspirational goals, that's easy. Everybody buys into aspirational goals. If I say that the world will be a lot happier, everybody was continuously drunk and then and then that's an aspiration of gold that a lot of people can buy into yeah but if it then comes with the downsides of that and, oh yeah you give that up give that up give that up then then it all goes to pot so right now we're at the easy part create aspirational goals we need to have a better governing body nobody can argue with that um, we need to become the top two or top three team sport in the country they are just nice vague aspirational goals that are very easy to get the other stakeholders to buy into um, the next step is going to be okay this means that you have to give that right up that, then it's going to become difficult so right now feedback is great yeah and so um, you know what what kind of timelines are you looking at for a kind of this to start being implemented and it all start to go to pop <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got a lot of time um because last time, last funding cycle, we got four years worth of money. Now we've got one year's worth of money. It's, so you, it's so no you are talking a lot about British basketball here as well as England basketball, because it does all come under the same remit. The two things cannot be separate. They are, and they have been, yeah. but they can't be separate. It's just ridiculous. It, it's We're not big enough. We're not in the right stage for where we should be as a sport. If we were competing non-stop in EuroLeague championships and, and if we had sort of BBL teams playing in the EuroLeague and in, in, in the ULEPs and all of it, and we, we were dominating the European competitions. Oh, oh, let's put it this way. One of the things was, one of the ambitious targets, aspirational targets was a, a BBL team to win the EuroLeague. And I said, shall we just tone it down to participation in the EuroLeague? Um, no disrespect. Yeah. To me, it would just be slightly more achievable. Um, there's some good teams in the EuroLeague, yeah? <laughs> We've got some way to go. There's some good teams in Germany, and they perform bugger all in the EuroLeague at the moment. They're bottom, the bottom two, aren't they? So, let's be, let's be realistic. It took 10, 10 years to get properly established in the EuroLeague, and they're not winning anything at the moment. But if, if we were in that position, then great. Then you can actually say that there are reasons why the Premiership should actually be sort of separately managed. And why, if you had a Team GB that consistently challenges for medals, then yes, you put a performance company together that manages that. But where the sport is as a whole, we need to pull together. We cannot afford to be all these little pockets yeah. of people dealing with the sport. It's we need to get. Harnessing the talent, I was at the um, National Cup Finals. No, was it the National Cup Finals? National Cup Finals uh, in, in in January in uh, Ponds Forge. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Some great young players. Right? There was 
But a lot of the teams were playing youth players in, in, in those finals um, because that's where they are at the moment. So you can see that a lot of the senior teams are playing a lot of really young players. And some of the kids you see playing basketball here, I see 12, 13 year olds playing when my kid, when I coach my, my when I go and watch my youngest play basketball. Um, that's a phenomenal thing. I see far better players running around here than I've ever seen when I was a kid in the Netherlands. The talent is massive. For some reason we seem to fail to harness that continuum. There's so much good stuff going on in individual places. But as long as we, we harness it into some sort of pyramid, it ends up with a big performance at the top of the league, at the top of Pro League and a competing Team GB. Then it's, it's immensely frustrating when you sort of, the more I get to know about English basketball and British basketball, the more frustrating I get. It's getting more and more. Rather than thinking, the more I know about it, the clearer the picture becomes. The more I know about it, well, why is it not working? Yeah. Because this country, this country should be dominating in Europe. If you look at what walks around in the cities here, um, in raw talent, if you, somebody, if you see someone at three on three basketball going on at some of the courts, there's some phenomenally talented players running around. And we cannot seem to be harnessing that. Um, so the BBL needs to find ways of finding inward investment. It shouldn't come from a government. They need to become properly run commercial franchises. They actually get proper inward investment, sponsorship investment, so they can actually become much more credible on a financial basis to actually attract talent into this league. It's very chicken and egg, isn't it? Because the top players in Europe, they're not going to come to England. Not unless you can actually give them something back. Um, we get the Americans we get here, they only come to England because they don't, they're not good enough to play in Europe. So we, we just get into the bottom of that tree all the time. And that's just a shame. And then, so British basketball, English basketball, Scottish basketball, Welsh basketball, that shouldn't be four different things by four different groups of people. That's ridiculous. So you want to see that one kind of overarching body that yes. controls it all? Yes. Has to be. Otherwise, we're always. And you think be. that's quite likely to happen? I think it's. Um, and obviously, Sport England want that to happen. Sport England is well. I mean, Sport England. The only concern Sport England will have is how can we guarantee that the money they give us is spent on English kids, not on Scottish and Welsh kids. Um, right. So you need to sort of. Of course, there's another issue there. Uh, so it, 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 everything has issues attached yeah. to it. So, but. My argument there is we already have to justify that UK sport money is only spent on elite. So that's just making sure that whatever comes in gets spent on the right things and yeah. we have to account for it. That's fine. But equally, we need to sort of look at other ways of funding the sport. I mean, just sitting there relying on government money is very restrictive. You cannot build a sport if you rely entirely on government funding. Because government funding, there is no government funding to grow basketball, right? That doesn't exist. There is, there is no money from the government that says this money is because we believe in growing basketball. There's money in the government, there's money in the, in the, in the coffers of the, the treasury that is set aside for becoming a healthier country. And to achieve that, they want more kids to play sport. They don't care whether it's basketball, table tennis, or volleyball, or netball, or I won't include dancing. <laughs> But they don't care what sport it is. They just want to sort of see whatever sport comes with a plan to get as many 14 to 25 year olds to play. 
than Sport England, that their targets are getting as many 14 to 25 year olds to participate in the sport on a weekly basis. That's what they get measured on. So if we as basketball can actually say to Sport England, this is what we can do to help you meet your targets, we get some money. Equally, if we say to UK Sport, we can win a medal at some point, they give us some money. UK Sport gets, they get to the target, they get targets, they have to get 100 medals. They don't care what it's for, they couldn't care less. As long as they have 100 medals, of which 20 of them are gold, they couldn't care less whether it's clay pigeon shooting or basketball. Um, so we should not look at the government saying, would you want to go basketball? Because you all know we don't. You want to win a medal. You don't care what it is in. So, still, it means that some of their decisions are a bit bizarre. Uh, because there are certain, not all the sports they give money to have got credible medal chances either. Um, whereas basketball was always a development sport, it never was expected to medal until 2020. Still need to get a lot of things right between now and 2020, by the way. So it's cutting the eight and a half million back, it's, it's just daft. Um, misguided is probably the word you should be doing. <laughs> Because bless them, they are sponsors, right? So uh, I have to be nice to them. But it's, but we need to, as a sport, we need to look at how can we, we make the package more commercially attractive. There are plenty of big companies. I mean, there's companies that have, uh, in European leagues that have done millions of sports. Here we do commercial. So how, how, how do we make the sport more commercially attractive? Like, how do you think that's going to happen? What do teams need to do? What the governing body needs to do? The governing body doesn't need to do anything. Right. The, gov- to the, yeah, the governing body has got no impact at all. Should not have any impact at all on the strategy of the sport. I mean, we want to bring basketball to. We need to talk to. Um, there are companies that want to engage with kids, right? Uh, in a positive way. Uh, well, sell them stuff. Um, what we need to do as, as a basketball body, we need to sort of show the, show commercially based businesses that we can engage with a marketplace for them. So arguably what we need to be able to do is reach out to all the basketball communities around the country and so we just need to be aware of who you are. Because as soon as we know who you are, we can attract money into the sport. As soon as we know how many, if we know that we can engage with 200,000 12 to 16 year olds, um, whatever the number is, you can go to a commercial, a company with commercial sort of um, goals. So we can engage with kids that between 12 and 16 who all have an interest in basketball. So if you, Mr. Nike, wants to flog shoes into this country, you should give us some money and we'll stick your name all over the things we do and you can, you can get visibility and they've got a group of people. Um, or you go to Subway or Burger King. Um, okay, Burger King you currently seem to be incredibly unhealthy as a brand, so was McDonald's. They still are to a degree, but at least they're putting a lot of money into football. Why don't you do the same and put a lot of money into basketball? Um, wild examples, but that's you, you create sort of documented evidence and you can communicate with the marketplace, then there will be people with stuff to sell. And like the ones with Beacon, huge company, white goods company, they're sponsoring loads of stuff. They're sponsoring FIBA events, the Russian League, the Turkish League, the German League. They're sponsoring putting millions of pounds into basketball. They're putting nothing into the UK. Um, because what we don't have here is a model where they feel they can, they can communicate with parents of basketball players. Kids don't buy washing machines. Um, 
what their moms do. Yeah. So that whole commercialization of, of um, the way we communicate with our membership, and we need to, why don't we have a YouTube channel that runs league games? Um, everybody's bang on about Sky Sports. There are lots and lots of channels on television. I mean, all we need to do is do a deal with a channel that actually, has the, whether it's a free free channel or not, to get regular coverage of all the basketball games. And then we can market to our audience that there are live games on television. You create that sort of exposure, and then you can get some sponsorship that way into it. None of those routes have been exploited. It's just as long as we get the membership up a little bit, we get some government money. And that's that cycle is this where the sport sits in. So you know, if like, you were, uh, one more point. Yeah. If you attract all the money into the sport, because a lot of people say, well, we never see any benefit from England basketball. My club, well, I got recently got an email saying, well, my club has never received any money from England basketball. Well, first of all, why should it? My football club has never received any money from the FA. That's not that's not what the government body is for. But there could be bigger pots of grant money if we had commercial money coming into the sport. We could set up a foundation, for example. There's a BBL foundation, but there should arguably be some form of foundation that helps with facilities. Mm. But you need to get money into the sport first. So you're picking up on, <coughs> on one of those points there, like, um, yeah, and one of the things that Hugh Robertson, well, based on what I've heard and watched and read, mm-hmm is that he's very critical of the, of the structure, how it's been, and also the people. Uh, and no. it seems that he wants widespread reform. You know, what you're saying there about uh, these avenues have never been explored and it's been a cycle. Like, surely, in that sense, it's time for change and there needs to be new people involved. Like, it can't be the same old people because they've proven that they can't get the job done. It, um, that's probably true. It's, when you talk, one of the discussions we had earlier this week is, to me, certain structures have been built around existing people. They've been in the sport for an awful long time. And, uh, and some of them have done phenomenally good things for the sport. Some of them have tried to do phenomenally good things for the sport, but not necessarily achieved them. But you, you're right. I mean, what the sport needs, you need an overhaul in the structure. We need to agree the structure. And that structure should not be based on the people that we have at the moment. What do we want to achieve as a sport that requires certain roles and those roles need to be filled? Not necessarily by the existing people. But we need to sort of say, what do these people need to achieve? Are there any people in that level of the sport at the moment that can do that? Probably not. So, so there's likely to be big personnel changes. There have to be. There have to be. And that's, that's where it becomes difficult for you, right? Because that's when surely the people are going to start putting up a fight because they, they don't want to lose their job and their piece of the pie. Well, exactly. And that's, that's got to be the interesting part of this whole, whole, whole cycle. Is, but the very moment you start talking to somebody, you say, let's talk about... But if you structure that, nobody can argue the structure that's going to be required. At some point, there's going to be a structure that is sensible and it's going to have roles in it. And then you're going to have to fight about... And the strongest opponents will be the people that actually see their own jobs disappear. Um, arguably, if your argument becomes about your own job, you should, have, you should declare a vested interest and no longer be involved in the decision-making process. Um, as directors, we need to declare interest, right? Yeah. If, the, if it becomes about my job rather than the sport, I should declare an interest. Because then I'm not longer talking about the sport, I'm talking about me. And it's... 
that's got to be an interesting, interesting dynamic. And then, then yes, eggs will break, and then and there will be arguments, and I'll probably lose a few more friends. But I didn't start with that many anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> as I said, popularity has never been a driver. The, the sport needs a shake-up, and to be honest, with the government cutting some funding and making some quite brutal decisions in relation to basketball, it's nothing more than a trigger point of actually sort of facilitating some shake-up. First of all, we need the shake-up to qualify for future funding, because if the people stay the same, the funding will just disappear. Um, secondly, we need a more commercially dynamic approach to grow the sport um, and reduce the reliance on the government funding. So it's, there's two reasons why a personnel change is almost inevitable. And you see these changes happening within the next, well, this year? <laughs> Got to be. Um, if they don't happen this year, we're not going to go anywhere and I might as well stop again. How long is your position held for? Is it a year? It's, a th- uh, it's three years. That's three years, okay. Quite happy to resign if I fail after <laughs> And do you, do, you, like, do you get paid to do your job as the independent yes. director? You do get paid, okay. Uh, not a lot, though. Not, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I understand that. I just, it was just out of interest. On the England board, I'm the only one that gets a little bit of money. Okay. And all the other, the, the other new appointed directors are, are all voluntary? Yes. Okay. We pay their expenses relatively. And that's it? No, that's it. So immediate plans, restructure, reform... And then what's the next step after that? It's, I think a lot of these things will, it's more to get the ball rolling and a lot of the things will happen automatically. It's, I think sort of the, the, what you can see when you actually did your petition, um, there wasn't an enormous amount of work to get a lot of people to kick into action and do something. So it's, what you've shown is that all you really need to do is send an email <laughs> yeah. to generate some, the beginning of a movement. And that's often all that's required. I mean, we've got some momentum at the moment. There's a lot of basketball and a bit of profile. There's people are talking about it. Really all we need to do is keep the momentum up. Keep, it, keep pushing it, keep driving it. We need to sort of get that grassroots structure in such a space that there's first of all loads of people that play ball every week because it's fun and it is undeniably one of the best games ever Um, anybody that doesn't understand that hasn't played it and so I agree it's simple and recreational basketball should be huge in this country equally with the talent that I've seen walking around everywhere if we can actually channel that and actually build those build that that will start happening if you get the grassroots filled up with people you can identify the talents in that you can just start competing at, at, at county levels and regional levels which will fill an England squad or team team GB squad whatever the structure is going to be with locally grown talent and that's as soon as you get there then you get immediately a groundswell of, of, of support from local communities because they know those kids rather than yeah we know him he's lived in England for three years and now he's played all there and everywhere <laughs> yeah. but he's ever so English he almost speaks it um, <laughs> that's 
you, you will not get the buy-in of the people. You see how much Owen Hargreaves in football, how much he struggled to come be recognised as an England player. He was an English mum, I think he had, and, but he obviously sort of left England when he was about giddy age. Yeah. Grew up in Germany and places like that. He was never really, he didn't generate support. His shirts didn't sell. He was never one of the, of, of the money spinners for English football. We don't want that to happen. You cannot rely, yes, just to win occasional games, that's not building a sport. It needs to sort of start all over again almost. Um, so we need, we need to start, the BBL needs to be sorted out. We need to get money into the, into the BBL to actually facilitate, turn it into a pro league. How much impact does he, like, does EB and, and have over the BBL? Because the BBL gets his license from England basketball, right? England, no player can buy league basketball in this country unless he's licensed by England basketball. Right. So, theoretically, um, the position is that if we, we don't want a BBL team to play, we just withdraw the license of the players. But it's not quite as straightforward. <laughs> but it, there is... Um, I mean, regardless of whether the EB has control over the BBL or not, the basketball community, which includes Basketball Scotland and, and the Welsh and, and the elite team and, and the sponsors from the government, we all agree we need a credible pro Kids need to aspire to playing pro basketball. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's nothing really to aspire to. Um, yeah, I mean that's... I think that's one of the biggest issues and until that changes like funnily enough over Christmas I was at a tournament and there was I won't name names there was a, you know a, a guy who's he's got a decent profile as one of the younger players and one of his former coaches he was back visiting from the States and uh, one of his coaches said hey you know like you know you can come back and, and play in the BBL and he was just he just laughed and he was just like never never you know and that, it's, one, it's one of the issues like until kids want to play here well that's the thing I know Dutch basketball players and Basketball in the Netherlands, the Dutch Premiership, is not great either. Um, that's one of those bizarre things, I mean, I'm, as I'm, I'm being Dutch, it's one of the bizarre comments I got recently when I said that when I criticised the quality of play in the BBL, um, the defence was, well, it isn't that good in Holland either. So what? I didn't make the comparison between the Netherlands and England. All I'm saying is that in the international community, the BBL needs to step up. Now, that's a very easy thing to say. The BBL needs, needs support to be able to step up. Because a lot of these franchises are, have got too little money in them. Yeah. Too little money in them. They need, and where the, they need, we need to find a way to be able to sort of, win as, as a governing body, we need to find a way to support the BBL to find routes to fund it. Um, they can't come from the government. The government is not going to fund the commercial franchise. They can't. It doesn't work like that because they've got shareholders and just pocket the money and run off. Um, which I wouldn't. Have. They wouldn't, of course. <laughs> they wouldn't, of course. Uh, didn't say that, Paul. Um, but the BBL does need financial support to actually get better players playing in the league. Initially, over time, hopefully we grow them and we have them. They stream, they come through the channel. In the short term, 
you need to invest and actually sort of get some early momentum in the BBL so that those kids when they're growing up don't leave before they become BBL material. So initially it becomes attracting better players. And they cost money, it's as simple as that. If you attract better players from Europe and the States, it's like a level, the Americans are level up than what we're getting at the moment. No disrespect, lovely guys. Um, but we need a better standard of basketball player in this country. Short term, we need to buy them in. Long term, and if you buy them in the short term, and in the long term, local players will have an aspiration to stay rather than, I'm 14 years old, let's get the hell out of this place. Yeah. And that's where we are at the moment. 14, 15 years old, they just disappear. Yeah. And then you have to get them back at some point, but you get them back as reluctant England players. Um, I think the guys did fantastically well. They played some cracking games for Team GB. Um, not all of them, but they played some good games as well. They, they've shown that they can compete. But what we haven't shown yet is we can actually inspire our country. We can, we, they can't inspire the basketball community as a whole yet. There's still a disconnect between Team GB and the basketball community. There's a disconnect between sort of the grassroots level and the governing bodies. And my first goal is really to get everybody just to, just if you have something to say and, and don't just post it somewhere. Come and talk. If it's if it's sensible and it can help. Sometimes there are very valid reasons why England basketball can't fund certain things. Lots of very tight restrictions on the money they get from the government. Sometimes there may be things they've never thought of. Do you think? Do you think that a lot of the issues um, that basketball is faced with now could all? Well, I mean, you can almost put part responsibility on the membership for having such a lesser fair attitude and not taking action on things uh, and making their voice heard when they're up, um, upset about things. Yeah, I mean, I think it's always very easy. I mean, it's it, it's difficult to actually step up and do something about it because it's 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 a time commitment. I know that. Most of the time I'm naked because I'm either so I come home, I've got five minutes to get changed to either my rugby kit, football kit, or basketball kit, and I'm straight out again. And that's every night. And the two nights that I am at home, my wife's away because she helps with the local air cadet unit. So, so the two nights that I'm at home, she's away. Um, and that's what we do. That's the choice you make. And it's a choice you make. If you want clubs to flourish where you are, you need the parents to pile in and put their effort in. Difficult with basketball is that a lot of the parents don't are a bit afraid of the sport. And then you get a very small community trying to do everything. And they don't feel that they get a lot back for it. But that, look, there's a volunteer event every year, okay, where people get recognized for being sort of cracking volunteers and all that. There's loads and loads of really, really good people. And I know people in the invoking when I was playing a game there last week while I was playing, I was coaching. Um, there's, there's the table officials there, the same table officials that just keep turning up and then they just sit there with their box of sweets on the table and you just happily just chatting away and nesting away. There's some cracking volunteers around. We just haven't got enough of them. Mm. And it's in football it's easy. Dad will run the line. Yeah. You don't have dad will referee a basketball game. <laughs> We can do, and that's a problem. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a big issue. Yeah. And it's, I have it in rugby. I can ask at least four or five fathers to help when we do an ex morning exercise. Because the guys come on, get the pads, help with the exercise. I can't do that in basketball. Yeah. 
the only help I can get is someone I'll be the treasurer. Yeah. And that's 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 just. Uh, that's what my dad did when I was younger. <laughs> exactly. And it's so that that's there's a that takes almost a generation to actually sort that problem out. That, yeah. That's it's a cultural thing as well, right? Yeah. And so maybe if we can actually sort of resolve some of that issue by running more CVLs and actually looking sort of at the CVL, um, that's a great concept because it actually removes the need to have table officials and referees because it's centrally sourced. Then you can actually sort of get a lot more going. At the moment, we just had done it enough. Again, it takes time, it takes money. It, 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 yeah. Yes, it, it would be nice if, if, if the whole membership said, okay, let's roll up the sleeves and let's all become volunteers. That'd be great. That's never going to happen. Um, most people in, in the sports that I coach, most people drop the kids off and go for training. Happy to watch the game. But yeah. not, if it's raining at training at rugby and football, it's a very lonely place to be as a coach. Yeah. <laughs> So to stop, to finish, because we're getting close to an hour mark, and I know you've got a that, shit off for the meeting at um, What message would you give to all the frustrated British basketball fans out there that are waiting for change and waiting for it to finally reach this magical potential that everyone's been speaking about for the last two decades? <laughs> it's um, the, the problem is that it, it, everybody's always buying time, right? And I would like to make the small point that so far I have attended two board meetings and a range of meetings in between. Let's put it this way, I will do whatever I can to get proper structural change underway within the next six to eight months. Um, and if it doesn't happen within the next six to eight months, it's going to be a British basketball is going to be a dark place for a long time. <laughs> it's got to happen now. It has to happen now. And that's the message I'm taking back to the various stakeholders in the sport. And there's obviously a possibility that everybody will refuse to listen and will do the best they can to maintain the status quo. And if that happens, I will leave. And... Um, nothing will change so we know basically if you leave in the next year then we're all screwed and we should all just give up and find, find another sport <laughs> or, or somebody who actually can hit harder to, to actually step into what I'm trying to do on the positive note the feedback I've had so far has been fantastic and all the stakeholders have, I think there's been a bit of a wake up call that, that the funding cuts I agree um, have actually shaken up a few people and actually realising that we don't have to just go through the mechanics and we can automatically get some money uh, it's now evidently clear that we can't go through the mechanics and expect money. Um, we actually have to do something in return. And, and I think that message is loud and clear, it's been received loud and clear. And that's the feedback I'm getting from the people I'm meeting with at the moment. It's the recognition that unless we pull together and do something structurally different to what we've been doing, um, it's just going to be a very frustrating place to be in a basketball enthusiast. Perfect place to finish. Thank you so much for joining us. Massively appreciated. No problem.